0: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, listen, it is, I know a speaker, guest speaker is supposed to say this, you know, it's good to be with you, but I actually mean it. Um, we had such a great time together and, and Pastor Paul, thank you again. I, I, when a pastor opens our pulpit on a Sunday morning, that's a big deal. And this is holy ground up here. And I honor that. And we pray over this and, that, and we ask God that we would do this well. Look, because I have been here, I have a lot of new information. I have some things that I think are worth repeating. Uh, So, let me ask you, how many of you have never either seen the DVD or heard me speak yet? If you don't mind raising your hand so that will tell me, oh, thank you very much for coming out. I hope you won't be disappointed. (laughs) That tells me where we need to go. Um, I've written a couple of books, and let me... um, And I also want to thank the tech team for allowing me to... uh, Thank you. Come in here and disrupt all that they do. Can we give our tech people a big hand, please? Because... In all seriousness, uh, I have a computer science degree, so if you think I hate technology, there you go. I'm a nerd, okay? Um, (laughs) Spent a lot of money to be a nerd, actually. I've written two books on this subject that we're uh, talking about, working on uh, two additional books, but uh, things have had to slow down because this book has just gone through the stratosphere. This is the first country of four on this tour, and I've already been here once this year in Australia. And we're working with, in two cases, governments who are dealing with this issue and are very concerned about the young people and the millennials of their entire nations. And um, so basically where the cover comes from, if you'll notice, that is not actually cocaine. Those are zeros and ones. Uh, When you look at brain scans, and I'll show this to you today, when you look at brain scans of people who have crossed over into digital addiction and those who are addicted to cocaine and heroin, you can barely distinguish those scans. Addiction is addiction, and it doesn't matter what you get addicted to. People say, can you be addicted to exercise? I exercise a lot. Technically, the answer is yes, but every time I go home uh, in the U.S. and I go to Walmart, do you know Walmart? Every time I go into Walmart, I quickly realize not too many people struggle with that one, so I say, have a go, see if you can. <laughs> Americans have gotten rather large these days. I have some nerd humor for you. Now, in my world, we study millennials, Generation Y and Generation Z or Z quite a bit. This is Jesus sitting on a park bench with a millennial. And he says, no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. (laughs) I'm fortunate to work in all kinds of contexts. Now, I'm a credentialed minister. I'm a Christian minister, but I will go wherever uh, God asks me to, including with Muslims Um, I'm with Catholics quite a bit, Uh, they're Christians of course, but this is the confessional, Father I have sinned, that's Facebook, and he says, I already know, this is called cell phone tan. Um, Beth and I come from Virginia uh, in the U.S., and I wouldn't expect you to know anything about our history, because I wouldn't be offended at all if you don't know anything about Virginia, after all, most Americans don't even know there are other countries. So, um, But the North and South is divided here. The first British settlement in the U.S. was here in Virginia, and uh, so our history goes back when we were colonized uh, as well, and then we had this Revolutionary War where we threw the British out at gunpoint, and then in the 1800s, we had a Civil War, and my country was once again focused to that, so my uh, or my state was the focus of the the battle, and the north and south runs here, and the only thing really you need to know about that, my state was the capital of the south, but all the evil people live up here, and all the holy people live down here. (laughs) So that's really all that you need to know about our history. But we come from the Appalachian Blue Ridge Mountains, Um, so we are, come from like you, the mountains here this morning were stunning, were they not? As we were driving down, seeing, uh, I love how the light bounces off the clouds and goes down through these valleys here. It's just gorgeous. But those are the mountains that we live in. So I have one more thing for you. This is an emergency call that came in in Hillbilly Country. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, uh, my wife got attacked by a warthog real bad, and I need someone to come up with an ambulance and pick her up. Okay, sir. Uh, can you give me your address? Uh, yeah, we're at 1825 Eucalyptus Drive. Okay, could you spell that for me, sir? Uh, I, I'm going to drag her on over to Oak Street, and you can pick her up there. <laughs> now, we are hillbillies, but we're Hill Williams. Those are high-class hillbillies. I uh, just want to let you know Beth is not my cousin, Okay. <laughs> Resource-wise, this is the book I wrote nine years ago, and it didn't go well at first. People thought I'd lost my mind. The church had just begun to embrace technology, with which I've been a part of, love it. However, I noticed that it was taking intimacy away from God's people and creating what the Old Testament and New would call idolatry. And so I wrote that book, and it eventually went well. But we've had to pull it because I'm revising it. So it'll be available through Coombe. Uh, first of next year But this is what we're going to talk about today There's a companion DVD out there And then the most crucial subject That's spoken of the least Is the subject of pornography Did Was with uh, several of the Every Nation uh, groups yesterday Did a men's camp And I went two and a half hours with them on this subject And we had a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit Very refreshing To see people coming back to the Lord In various ways Particularly as it relates to this subject of pornography So I believe that the Bible, even though I'm involved quite a bit in science, of course, for me still, I would not put my faith and trust in science if I were you. If I were you, I would put it in the inerrant, infallible, God-breathed word known as the Bible, the Scriptures. And I believe that the Bible is the final authority for all faith and conduct. If you would affirm that, uh, please, by saying amen. Amen. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be, or, but, but. I will not be mastered by it. So these things are permissible. We can have the technology. I'm using technology here this morning. I have a phone and all that. But I will not be mastered by it. Not everything about it is beneficial. And so we want to look today at the things that are not beneficial. What it's doing in terms of culture. What it's doing in terms of our brain health. But most importantly, what it's doing to our spiritual well-being. Because once addiction Mastering, when it controls you, sets in. That's the only thing you can focus on. And there's where your intimacies will lie, whatever it is you're staring at all the time. So either we're staring at his face all the time or we're staring at a screen all the time. And that's pretty much what culture has done. There's a dividing line. And it has affected the church equally, statistically. There's no statistical difference between the behaviors, immoral uh, behaviors, inside the church and out. I'll give you an example. I work with UNISA here. I work within their Bureau of Market Research in its neuroscience division. And I was here in December of last year, and we did a really long and exhaustive study on what is called the blesser blessy phenomena here in South Africa. You ever heard of that? We did four focus groups, and we did quite a bit of qualitative research, and then we put them over into the neuroscience lab to test some things. But... Basically, we had four focus groups, and we had groups that were 17 years of age all the way up to 24 years of age. So, latter part of high school, end of university. What we found is that 100% male and female were addicted to porn. And all of them, all, in all the groups, all of them were churched, Christians, except one. And being the only minister on this research team... I was allowed to ask them spiritual questions, and I asked them, well, in your Christian church, um, does your pastor ever deal with these things? Never. The other fa- finding that was disturbing to us is that the use of porn and other things, like bless your, blessee, had been normalized. So in their world, the conscience that these things are wrong had never been raised. For whatever reason, we didn't discover why. The only question I asked was, does your pastor ever deal with it? And the answer was categorically no. So we have work to do without becoming legalistic. In my world, we're talking about technology in the brain. And so you see a lot of these research projects, which I'm privileged to be a part of. Internet addiction changes brains similar to cocaine. Newsweek magazine, this is back in 2012, picked up on this and did a great article on it. A lot has advanced since then, of course, but they call it eye crazy. But what I want you to notice, I want to talk about symptoms. When someone is addicted to alcohol, it takes place, the addiction takes place in the pleasure center of the brain, in the reward circuit. But the pleasure center of the brain, the, the technical term for that is the nucleus accumbens. I'll show you this in just a moment. When an alcoholic starts to suffer, they have liver problems. And they can turn into jaundice. When someone uses, uh, for example, heroin, their symptoms start to manifest. In other opiate-type drugs, they become slow of speech. Marijuana does the same thing when people have various addictions to, let's say, uh, heroin, the opiates, they become addicted. And again, slowness of speech. You can see this on the brain scans, and I'll show you this. The, the symptoms are different, but the delivery mechanism is usually similar through the bloodstream. So with an alcoholic, they drink it. The alcohol goes into the Stomach metabolizes, migrates through the bloodstream, goes into the nucleus, comes into the brain, and two areas of the brain secrete a neurotransmitter called dopamine, and it's actually dopamine that they're feeling. When someone smokes, their symptoms will be lung problems, could be emphysema, but again, the tar and the nicotine, the smoke gets into the lungs, there's bloody in there, so it metabolizes through the bloodstream, gets into the brain, and releases the dopamine, and people have a reaction. They feel calm and peaceful through this neurotransmitter. With digital addiction, the delivery mechanism would be the eyes. The eyes are controlled by the occipital lobe in the back of the head. And there's no bloodstream needed. But yet the effect is identical. The nucleus accumbens receives hits of dopamine. Then the symptoms start to appear. So with a smoker, it would be breathing problems. With the alcoholic, it would be liver problems. But with a digital addict, same area of the brain gets addicted. Same chemical reaction. But the number one symptom is anger. So when you take the device away from a child, they have meltdowns. And we have to instruct millennials often, and I'm not bagging millennials, please understand me. But often we have to instruct them that that's not funny. The corpus callosum of the brain is being damaged. Unless you think brain damage is funny. Which in my world, when you see the scans, I'll show them to you, it's not. Second symptom would be anxiety disorders, panic, depression, psychosis. The top of that is the depression. We're seeing cutting self-harm off the charts now, and there's a digital link to that, causing the spike. These are the dark sides. Now, I'm not going to leave you with these depressing things today. I'm going to show you some things that are rather scary, but in a few minutes, I'm going to show you what God wants to do, and that is restore us and heal us. And bring the peace back into our lives. And you can see on the brain scans even what happens when you put your brain and your spirit, if you believe the two are connected, and I do. But just the brain alone, when you put it in an atmosphere where it can heal, it will reverse just like a cut if you accidentally cut yourself and basically just wash it and leave it alone. In a few months, you'll never even know you cut yourself. How good is God to build that sort of thing in? Good news is the brain has what is called neuroplasticity. It'll rewire and go back to normal if you catch it early. So let's look at this. This is the area of the brain, not on the surface, but in the middle there, the nucleus, surrounded by the reward circuit. That's the nucleus accumbens. And a few minutes ago when I was showing you the cartoons, I delivered stimulation through your eyes and through here, and your brain secreted dopamine. And I knew that I had changed the chemical structure in your brain instantly because I heard you laughing. I manipulated you with cartoons to change the chemistry in your brain and totally changed your emotions in a moment. And don't get mad at me and go, you manipulated me. You do it to yourselves on an average of 12 and a half hours a day, the statistics tell us with screens. I just did it for a second. Notice there's a wall forming there. That's tolerance building to the drug. So the alcoholic who started off drinking two beers to decompress after long, hard days of work... Six or seven years down the track has to drink four, or five, or six to achieve the same level of mania because the brain, the body, has started to get used to it. It's built up tolerance to it. So it's not that they're getting any more high, but because of the tolerance, the resistance is building up. You have to drink more and more and more to achieve the same level of mania or high. Same thing works with cocaine. You start off with a quarter line, half line, full line, etc. You get the idea? You have to, because of addiction having to do more and more and more. That's how you get addicted. It's that wall of resistance. It's a dopaminergic reaction by which the brain is trying to defend itself. And so that wall is forming and it's pushing out all the extra dopamine. And you need dopamine. If you're academic at all, you need dopamine to learn your maths, English, and history. The problem is you only need this much. That's the proper amount. But as resistance to a drug grows in the body, you have to have more. And that's where addiction sets in. It's that simple. Does that make sense? So you're not satisfied... Emotionally, unless you are receiving large quantities. So you have to push it more and more and more. And with pornography, that's why it only works one way. You start off saying, I'm going to only look at this several years down the track. You're looking at things you once swore you never would. And it's because the brain is getting used to that genre. So you have to jump to something more vile to shock the system to get over that ever-growing wall. So it works with pornography even more Toxically because it's a polydrug effect. It's not just the cocaine effect that I write about in digital cocaine. It's also heroin mixed with the cocaine. So you can think of the wall in porn's case as not only being tall this way, but thick this way. So what ends up happening in all drug addiction, including digital addiction, the wall ends up getting so big that you can't penetrate it anymore. No matter how hard you try, it becomes nearly impossible, if not impossible, to penetrate it. And when that happens, the pleasure center of the brain goes numb. That's a medical condition that's been known about for a long time. It's called anhedonia. Dr. Archibald Hart is a clinical psychologist and a scientist from here in South Africa. He lives in California now, but he has done an incredible work in this area of anhedonia. He started to notice and speak about this years ago, about the epidemic rise of anhedonia in children whose parents use devices as babysitters. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. God did not bring me here to scare you or to condemn you with this science. Above the science, I'm a minister, and I want to tell you something, and I mean this sincerely. I love you. I feel, as a minister, I feel God's heart of love for you as parents. No one has done this on purpose to their children. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nobody's done it on purpose. But we've done it. I, I speak in Microsoft schools, Apple-based schools, Curo schools here in South Africa. And the pressure from parents being put on schools to integrate technology because of this fear that their children won't be successful later unless they have the best technology training at the earliest age possible. It's causing that problem. Well-meaning, nobody meant to do this. These are called unintended consequences. So do you hear my heart that I'm not condemning you with this? Because the good news is, even though we've done this inadvertently, we've done it. And by the way, you know what our number one problem is globally, trying to treat it? Most parents think their child is the exception. Videographers and film crews who have filmed me talking about this for years... One in particular, very close to him in the early days, filmed me and helped me edit the original videos that went out, raised his children on iPads. And then it came to a boiling point. The ADHD, the ADD, all this digitally induced forms of these things manifested themselves. And it was only recently I got this email saying, Oh my God. They detoxed the children, children reverted back to normal. Then they said, okay, now we're going to be balanced. It's like, Sam, there is no balance. You, you just say in a word, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're a videographer. You don't know these things. Don't give it back to them. Oh, no, no, we can do this. So everybody thinks they can cure the problem. One week, I get this email Oh, my God, we've sold everything. It didn't work. So I filmed him and his wife talking about this whole journey. There's a documentary being made about my new book called Digital Rehab, where we're chronicling these cases, one after another. Now the good news is, that wall can come down. And we're going to get there in just a few minutes. So let me just show you one more example of the work that's being done in these areas of addiction, no matter what it's to. This is a baseline from SPEC scans. These are single photon computed tomography scans. Now that baseline is a normal brain which is nice and smooth and this is a measure of activity, okay? So you're going to see some gross stuff but just hang in there with me. I want to show you a marijuana brain. Now that's a measure of a lack of activity. Those are not actual real holes. It's just a measure of activity but you see the activity that decreases once you introduce. That's why the slowness of speech, slowness of movement. In America the state by state they're trying to um, legalize marijuana and these politicians will go on camera and smoke pot and tell you how good it is for you. I'll pop up and say do you really want to get your legislation from that guy? Really? This is a direct brain injury. These are from some of our NFL football players. Most of them are suffering from what is called uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is basically they have concussions one after another. From Even though they're wearing helmets, the brain still slaps on the skull, and then they get these concussions, and the brain just eats away. And most of them turn very violent, and then they commit suicide. And after a cluster of this, there was a movie made about this called Concussion, where Will Smith played the part of Dr. Benetamala, uh, Dr. Benetamala who is a forensic pathologist from Nigeria, he didn't know anything about all the politics of our sports and so he just went on television and said they're killing themselves with football (laughs) which I love it you should watch the movie on a screen it won't hurt you I promise just (laughs) that's a cocaine brain and this is what the gamers brains look like now I want to show you the worst brain of all there's the normal brain there's the heroin brain but look at the porn brain And that drug was delivered not through a vein, not through a mouth, not through a nose, but through the eyes. Polydrug effect. Now the good news is treatment is available. Dr. Daniel Amen from the Amen Clinics, he treats people too. Now I used to think, wow, that's amazing. Do you think that's amazing? Activity returns. Wall comes down. Color returns. It's awesome. I used to think People would change their behavior by seeing that. Then I learned something, which has been confirmed by MIT. Education does not change people's behavior. What education does, it enhances those who are already motivated. So the issue is motivation. Motivation usually only comes through a crisis. Hitting rock bottom. That's the term used in addiction. Now, we have the Spirit of God as Christians, do we not? Can you uh, just indulge me in a southern way and say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And if you want to wave a hanky at me, you can do that too. (laughs) Woo! Now, we have a lot of culture in our churches. Doesn't matter if God shows up, we're going to have church. (laughs) It does matter if God shows up, by the way. Now, I want to help you think correctly through this. Um, I wrote, I was asked to write a chapter in this book. This is not a Christian book. This is obviously a book about ethics for higher education. And um, the reason why I was asked to write this book, uh, a a colleague who's not a Christian read my book twice, which is full-on Christian. And despite the God part, That some people would like me to remove. Which I refuse to. The reason why is because. Of all the the cures and the treatments in the world. The only one that I've ever seen work. In the long term. Is Jesus. You ever heard of David Wilkerson? Crossing the switchblade. Well there's these drug treatment centers called Teen Challenge. I don't think they're here. But they're in many parts of the world. And they're faith based drug treatment centers. The best secular statistics out there are less than 10% success rate. Teen Challenge has nearly 80. The difference, his name is Jesus. So I refuse to take the only thing that really helps out of my books. (laughs) And because I'm probably the only one standing in public saying these things, they're stuck with me. (laughs) Now, I did not use scripture in this book. It's full on, the UN was backing this one, but... I did write from a biblical worldview. No question. If you read it, you'd go, that guy's a Christian. So I wrote this book, I wrote a chapter in this book, and, and, and I want to tell you the title of my chapter, or the subject matter. They, the, the, the chapter title was shortened, but I want you to think deeply about the subject matter that was assigned to me. The ethics... Of not contributing to digital addiction in an online learning environment. We don't live correctly because we don't think correctly. And the truth, this pesky little thing called the truth, keeps popping up. Oh, it gets in the way, doesn't it? Oh, especially especially for the postmodernists who live in their own reality. You see, parents will come and sincerely, these are not evil parents, but they sincerely say, I only allow my children to play education games and use education apps. There's a problem. The brain is not distinguishing content, it doesn't know what you're playing. It's only responding to the stimulus, regardless of the content. Even if you fold your arms and say, I disagree with that. You are not that powerful to change the truth that I just told you by merely disagreeing with the science. And furthermore, your children and grandchildren are not the exception. They're not. The reason why I ended up dealing with this is because of what is called gamification. ADHD is up 800% in 30 years. That's about how old the internet is. It's a a digitally induced form of ADHD and ADD. So we have this massive problem around the world with attention deficits and medication flying off the shelves. Just medicating kids right, left, front, and center. And so in order to compete for the attention spans, what the education systems around the world are doing are marrying themselves to the game, gaming companies to develop education software. And in response to this, ethically, <laughs> I was asked to write a chapter, how would you like to have my job? <laughs> to deal with this, and if you don't know what gamification is, it's the process of adding games or game-like elements to something such as a task so as to encourage participation. You've seen all of this at McDonald's, right? This is gamification in an analog world. But in a digital world, I want to tell you what ended up happening after I wrote the chapter. I ended up getting an invitation to speak at the World Conference on Online Learning in Toronto last year. And so I went there, and I want to show you one of the tracks that I was up against. The Gamification of Education, Pedagogical Use of Digital Games to Improve Students' Engagement and Collaboration. A Game Changer, Embedding Educational Gamification for Enhanced Student Learning and How to Gamify Your Online Course. But there's a problem. It doesn't enhance cognitive abilities. And here's the difference between the church and the secular. The secular embraced me. I got my invitation to go back this year. I'm I'm the only one there, the little hillbilly going, Hey, y'all, y'all might want to rethink this. And they they listened to me. They liked me, invited me. But what does the church say? Oh, we might offend people. That's what I hear all the time. Not obviously here. Thank you. I'm serious. Not in South Africa. But in my country, it's like, well, will it offend people? I don't know. Depends on if they're addicted. Probably. Truth is never easy. Now, the world is loaded with distractions. And I'm going to repeat something that I did last time with some of you. And some of you, most of you, because most of you haven't heard this. But for those of you who have heard this, you're thinking, I remember this. I'm going to get you. No, I changed the poem. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's what this has to do with. Now, this is where the intimacies of God, and I'm going to get to in just a moment, end up getting taken away. This is the beginning of it. It's subtle. It's taught in some curricula. In order for our learners to be successful later, we have to get technology into their hands at the earliest age possible, teach them how to do this. Well, there's a problem. Nobody on earth can do this. (laughs) I get the same look on some faces. Some of you are thinking, I am the exception. (laughs) They're conspiring over here. I have a sneaking suspicion. One of them's going, look, I'll do the written one. You do the audible one and we'll get him. (laughs) I see evil people. I mean, people do this all the time. (laughs) Now, you know God has a sense of humor, right? Laughter's good. And God wants us to walk with him in such a way that we're intimate with him. I pal around with him and, and look, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but Beth and I were in a a buffet in America because most Americans like to eat a lot. And is it at a pizza buffet? And we're standing there in line, and I'm being very impatient internally. But as a minister, I'm, I'm hiding it well. But in the inside, I'm going, Oh, would you hurry up? Don't take that piece. That's the one I wanted. And as I'm standing there in my boredom trying to get these people to hurry up mentally, I reach over and I grab her, and I'm giving her a back massage and rubbing her neck. And when I look, it wasn't Beth. <laughs> And I went, ah! (laughs) I said, ma'am, I am so sorry. I was not sexually harassing you. (laughs) There's a little old lady, and she goes, It's okay, honey. I was enjoying it. (laughs) And there's God going, (laughs) That's my boy. (laughs) Laughter's good. So that's the spirit in which I jest with you who are conspiring and will still fail. The brain's ability to receive two or more streams of data simultaneous does not work and it creates an inordinate amount of brain stress, known as a distraction. Data is leaving and the attention span and the ability to concentrate and to retain information is decreasing exponentially as we try to do this more and more. I'm going to give you the same poetry test that was given to us at the University of Queensland. I was taking a professional development. The subject was bringing neuroscience into the classroom, making all this research Practical. So what I'm going to do is ask you to multitask, but I'm not going to ask you to do three, four, five, six things that we all try to do uh, throughout the day. I'm only going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to put a written poem on the screen. And at the same time, I'm going to play a second and different poem being read audibly, and I simply want you to focus on both of them. Now, both poems are very brief. Every line in both poems, very brief. And then I'm going to give you a comprehension test to see how well you multitask. Okay, so everybody focused? Ready? It's easy. Here we go. The moon seems very lovely each night it passes by, so beautiful and shining upon the velvet sky. And yet the moon is really dead. Its light is not its own. Though shining it may seem, it's really just a stone. Okay, who participated? Raise your hand if you gave it a go. How many of you got two seconds into and said, "Not this ain't happening"? How many of you, after about four seconds, you said, oh, forget it. I'm just going to pick one and do the best I can on this stupid test. <laughs> how many of you, how many of you picked the written one? It's because you're lazy. Now, <laughs> how many of you, after about six seconds, he said, you know, whoever's reading that audible one, I wish they would shut up. I'm trying to concentrate here. <laughs> no, I'm not a psychic. I just know the brain works. Here's the test. Who can quote the first line, just the first line of each poem? We're about to give Pastor Paul a certificate of participation so as not to damage his self-esteem. Go on. You know why no one's ever gotten it? It's because your brain switches tasks. It's a sequential process you're unable to pay attention to two or more streams of data simultaneous. It's that simple. And that ability the inability to receive those two streams of data causes the brain to rapidly toggle. It is causing dopamine levels to go off the charts. It's causing concentration to be shortened. And yet we try and try. And so a student sits down to study their maths, and the study was done, was asked, how long does a student study if they have a phone with them? They all do with earbuds in, and with that music playing, their brain's already switching. By listening to music while they study. So already the cognitive abilities are deteriorating. And they'll tell you, I disagree. I can't study without it, which is true, but that's because they're addicted to it. What they really mean is that I study better with it, which is false. They'll fail in the lab every single time. So did the people at MIT. Because they can't. You're not the exception. Neither am I. Your brain is a sequential processor. So they did a study to see how long do they study until they toggle. If they have a phone with them, two minutes. Which poses a problem. The hippocampus, short-term memory, as short as it is, still can't fill up in two minutes to transfer the data properly at night when you sleep as a schema into long-term memory. So you have a scattered brain, essentially. Literally. So they... Try this and try this and try this. And this is the world we live in. And in the office, that could be the report for the boss, the spreadsheet, whatever it might be. It's not just students. It's in the engineers with your AutoCAD and so forth. Doing the same thing. And our work is suffering because of it. Am I making sense to you? That distraction, when the phone rings and you're talking to someone, they're looking at you going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. It's not annoying to the person doing the uh uh-huh, but it sure is annoying to the person on the other side. And I know you've never done this to anyone. But you're not able to pay attention to them even though you say, oh, I'm listening. Because you can't. And we all intuitively know it, especially if you're on the receiving end of the rudeness. Same with conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've been chatting to someone because I have a habit now. I haven't always been... The angel that I am now. (laughs) I'm not an angel. My wife will tell you. Now, when I go to lunch with people, I don't have my phone. Because I now have been corrected. People are far more important than that phone. So if you and I go to coffee, it's about you. Whether you bring your phone or not, I'm still going to make it about you. When I come into God's presence in the morning, and I do, It's about him. As a minister of the gospel, my relationship with him for years suffered because of my computer science degree. As a minister of the gospel, because of this desk. That's all been upgraded. Everything's 4K. That's a television studio in my house. So I'm not against it, but I also know what I'm talking about and having the phones. I want to cover one more topic, and then I want to finish up with giving you some things to help you get the wall down, help the color to come back into the brain. Let's talk about video gaming. It was this year, the World Health Organization has declared video gaming as a mental health condition. If there are any doctors here, if you or part of the system that uses the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, you'll know you can't give a digital addiction diagnosis because it's not in the DSM-5. Not true in Asia. And thankfully, the World Health Organization has just overridden the whole thing and said, look, it is an addiction. In fact, it can be a mental disorder. The average age of a video gamer may surprise you. It's 35 And it's causing marriages around the world to break up. Beth and I were in Pretoria. We were in a a, a mall. And we were walking through. Went by the Nintendo shop. And I videotaped this guy. Notice he has hair on his face. (laughs) And he is playing a video game. They were releasing a new game. So I walked up there with my camera. The Mario Brothers giving me the thumbs up. But look at these guys how the age. This guy's having a beer. They're celebrating the release of a new game. And I did find one kid saying, Oh man with camera, please come in here and rescue me from these old people in the video game shop. <laughs> you may have seen on your satellite network here the Gen X esports, 24 hour gaming channel. I want you to look at the ages of the hosts. This is their lives, this is the postmodern world that they live in, and they have their Marvel comics. That's the world they live in. That's the narrative in which they live that in Star Wars. I'm not being funny. I'm just telling you what this generation has done. But I have a word from God for you. If you want to get the color back. If you want to be successful. If you want your cognitive abilities to return. If you want to be saved and go to heaven. Okay, that was a bit strong. (laughs) Did you get the idea? It does rob us of our intimacies. But here's the word for you. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. If I were you, I would do that. I would take that to heart and become a man. Might want to get, a, get rid of your skinny jeans too. <laughs> it's legalism. I understand that. But where I'm from, they'll beat you up for wearing girls' clothes like that. Now, And rightfully so. Okay, I digress. Forget that latter latter part. Just just pay attention to the former bit, that one. I'm trying to add a little humor because someone famous once said, make them laugh or they will kill you. May I take your temperature? Do you still love me? That was you don't, okay. I still love you though. I'm serious. I do. We have a problem. I'm going to end it, the illustrations this way and give you the list. This child is playing in this neuroscience experiment. This is a neuroscientist. They're doing a study on the world's most addictive game and it's an education game called Minecraft. Baked into Minecraft is casino technology which is called the variable ratio reward schedule. It was borrowed from the casino but instead of pulling the handle it's the pickaxe. So it's creating havoc around the world. I want you to pay attention to little Noah. He's a triplet, and they did a baseline brain scan of he and his unaffected brother and sister. But you're going to see his demeanor and his mother trying to get him away from the game. Now, some of you may recognize that behavior. He used to not be that way. Now, these are the functional magnetic resonating imaging, the fMRI brain scans of his unaffected brother and sister. And you notice a lot of color. And that's because the brain, of course, is controlling every part of the body. And these children are very active with non-digital analog activities. But Noah, on the other hand, year after year plays Minecraft. And so he's only showing activity in one little small part of the brain, and that's the part of the brain he's using to play the video game. And so the rest of his brain is in an unnatural state and it's suffering atrophy and along with that has come a bunch of problems, including what you just saw with his attitude and the anger. And that game has left this poor child. Remember, the brain is not distinguishing content. So although he is creating and building sort of like Legos on steroids, the marketing department got this one wrong at Mojang, who's now... This is now owned by Microsoft. They're converting it to hologram technology with HoloLens coming out, which is augmented reality. It's left this poor child in this state, and in this state, that child's cognitive abilities are deteriorated. And that child has no ability to know Jesus because he can't focus on Jesus. The only thing he can focus on is Minecraft. So spiritually, he's in trouble as are the millennials who are 35 years of age playing video games because they're the same way. God is not angry. God is wanting to heal people. So here's what I'm going to leave you with as far as the image goes today. This is what God sent me here to tell you. He's not mad at you. He loves you, so do I. He misses us. We're being controlled by the culture coming through our devices and yet we're under a Christian roof. And that's the result. As part of this neuroscience experiment, Noah's mother did something that I have never seen a parent do for more than two weeks. Ever. In all the nine, ten years I've been traveling the world with this subject. She did something that's radical. She took the game completely away from him. And then she abused him. She sent him off to summer camp to play tennis and hike and swim. (laughs) They brought him back into the lab in 21 days. And I want you to see what happened to his brain. Now, this is not a Christian science study. This is just how God built it in that if you take care of yourself, things go well. I used to think that would change people's behavior, but it never has because they can't get past what they did to cause that color to come back. They made him stop taking the drug because you cannot get over Heroin addiction by still consuming heroin, even a little bit on Saturday for good behavior, because heroin on Saturday is also bad. We have a biblical world, uh, word. We have a biblical word <laughs> for stopping. We call it repent. You're walking in a direction contrary to God in an area of your life, and we all do. And God, as we're walking along, ends up doing a very rude thing. He confronts us with the truth. Not because He's angry. It's because He loves us. We're His children. He cares for us so much, just like you care for your children. You die for them. In fact, Jesus did do that for us. That's how much He loved us. He still loves us just like the culture has invaded us and we've gladly laid down and let it happen. We know far more about Marvel heroes than we do Scripture. If I were to test generations Y and Z, and it's been done in the church, they know far more about Marvel and Star Wars than they do about Scripture. And God is grieved. So we're walking along in a direction contrary to God, and God shows up and confronts us because He loves us, and He says, "Stop. Put this down, and then turn. You're back on it." And that's what the word "repent" means. It means to turn and think differently now about that. And then God says, "Walk toward me." And God's over here just waiting. And he's not standing here with a big hammer ready to hit you and me at all. He's standing here with his arms wide open, longing for intimacy and fellowship with you and me. Because the plans that he has for us are so incredible, if you ever discover them, you will wonder why in the world did I ever fall in love with the culture? This is madness. So he's standing here with a big red reset button called grace. And he's saying, if you're willing to swallow your pride, put that down. Turn your back on it. Don't pick it up on Saturday for good behavior. Leave it alone. Come over here. Fall into my arms. Hit the big red reset button. I will embrace you. And from this point on, I will treat you as though you never even did all that stuff. And all of that was made possible by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, dealing with a very, very culture-enamored city, and the Christians in this city, called Corinth, wrote a letter to them in Corinthians, and he was chastising them, much like I've sort of been doing today. And he said this, Come out from all of them and separate yourself. Stop touching all these unclean things. And if you'll do that, I will receive you. God's calling us out of the culture. So this is why I do what I do. And then we're going to take communion and let the Holy Spirit have an opportunity to reconnect us this morning with intimacy with Him through the precious shed blood of Jesus and the broken body. Which is what communion's all about. This is why I do what I do. This is a picture of Of deep, deep abiding intimacy. Everything within them has been yielded fully. There's not a moment that they're not disconnected. There's not a a place they will go where they're not going to remain attached. 24-7. And this is what Jesus is saying through digital cocaine, dark side of technology, upcoming digital rehab. This is the the core message of why I do what I do. Jesus is saying to the church, I wish my people felt that way about me. I wish they would stare at my face all the time. We call it praying without ceasing. And he's saying, I long for you to pray without ceasing instead of screening without ceasing. I wish you would take me with you everywhere you go. The plans that I have for you are not to harm you, but they're to bless you and to give you hope and to give you a future. And oh, if you only knew the call that I will put in you and the places I will take you and the way I will use you. Just get the wall down. Get the color back in your brain. And I will come to you in ways that you know not of. And I will come up behind you with a still small voice that you've longed to hear. And I will say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Brothers and sisters, He loves us. He died for us. And as hard as this may be to fathom for some of you, not all of you, there's something way more stimulating than technology. And His name is Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank You that You died for us and I thank You, Jesus, for my family here today. Lord, I've seen sponges in front of me just taking this in. But that's because of Your Spirit. Now, Lord, do a deep work that I can't do. Lord, I pray, as I always do, please, Jesus, do not allow my family here to come under condemnation. Please, Lord, don't let a spirit of fear come. No one has done these things intentionally. Lord, remind them, nobody's done it intentionally. It's been a a subtle attack from the enemy. It's been accidental on our part. You just want us to turn around and come back toward you without the guilt and the condemnation. Father, bring course correction, but Lord, do it in gentleness and in love. But Lord, make Yourself more appealing than anything this world could ever offer us through the culture. Bless my family, Lord, with a hunger for intimacy with You, starting with Your Word and knowing it. Or that's what the conversation around the table is instead of staring at screens. Our lives are wrapped up in Jesus and the good things that God is doing. Bless my family here with that in Jesus' name.